God intends to use the church to teach the principalities and powers his manifold wisdom. There is something big about the church. Ephesians chapter 3. I want to read it from verse 1. Ephesians chapter 3 from verse 1. Apostle Paul says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for, the, for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote in as I wrote afore in few words. Now we'll come to these few words that he wrote, he wrote before. We'll come to them later on. He says, verse 3 again, he says, How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. As I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Take a pause here. Look at what Apostle Paul said. I'll read verse four again. He says, whereby when ye read, when ye read these things that I said before, which I'm also going to say more about here, that's Apostle Posty talking. He says, when ye read, ye may understand. In other words, I have written this let, these things to you in this letter that ye may understand my knowledge. Now, the word that was translated knowledge here is in Greek word is sonesis. That's the kind of knowledge that has informed my mentality. That's what Sunesis means. The kind of things that I know that has informed my mentality, that has changed my way of thinking. It says, whereby ye may read, it says, when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. There is an understanding, there is some things that Apostle Paul had come to know by revelation. He didn't just stumble on these things. The Spirit of God revealed these things to him. That is why he said they are, they are mysteries, he said the mystery of Christ. Even to today, a lot of people don't understand whom Christ is. As far as many are concerned, Christ is Jesus Christ. The Christ, Jesus, the Christ, that's all. One guy, the guy who came on earth is the son of God. He died and then uh, he resurrected as we are told. And then uh, from what we are told, he ascended and then, well, uh, he went to heaven. You know, someday, uh, hopefully, according to what he said, he will come back again. Uh, yes, it, that's their understanding of Christ. That is so myopic and and so insignificant compared to the real truth. Those things that they are talking about are the things that everybody saw. So that is not a mystery. 
So Apostle Paul said, if you read these things that I write unto you, you will understand my sonesis, my, the kind of things that I've come to know by revelation that has informed my mentality, the way I think. I, I, I'm, I'm not, I've turned from being an ordinary person. I am beyond the ordinary, not just because, I mean, there is something that happened to me. Some revelations were given to me. I came to understand some things that are beyond the ordinary, things that are beyond the the, the, the human perspective, things that the ordinary eyes may not be able to see. I came into that understanding. I was transported into some realms that is beyond the ordinary. And God showed me these things. And these things I'm writing right to you. Verse 5. He says, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. The things I'm discussing in this letter to you they were not made known. People didn't know them. He said they were not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. I'll read it again from verse 5. He says, which in the ages, in the other ages, was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Verse 6. Please take note very carefully of what is said here in verse 6. He says that he's talking about this mystery that is being revealed unto the church now, that is being revealed unto the apostles by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. He's talking about that mystery. He says, what is going on here? He says that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body, of the same body, and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. What is he talking about? Now there is a colon there. I'm going to read after the colon and I will explain six and seven together. In verse seven, he says, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. What is happening here that Apostle Paul is talking about? Apostle Paul is letting us know that God had a plan for the church and that plan has been hid all this while through the ages. But now God is revealing this plan to the saints, to the apostles, to the prophets in recent times, that's in the church, in the early church, God started to reveal these things to them. I've just mentioned some of those people that had the revelation. Now, Apostle Paul was making something very clear here. He said in verse 6, he says that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. What is heir? Someone who is inheriting something. Someone who is becoming part of taking hold of something that is being transferred onto the next generation. He says that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. 
and of the same body, which means he's talking about the Gentiles com coming to be part of this one body, the church. Now, if you read at your own time, the earlier part of this letter written by Apostle Paul to the, Ephes to the church in Ephesus, you will see how he described the church as the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter one. The church is the body of Christ. If you read from verse 22 to verse 23. So that body started off with the Jews. When the Jews became Christians, the apostles and some other disciples became Christians. Apostle Peter preached in Jerusalem. 3,000 people were converted. They became Christians. And more and more people were added to the church. But God was not satisfied. God wanted the Gentiles, when we say Gentiles, in those days, they mean people who were not Jews. God wanted the Gentiles, he wanted more people. Now, if, if you look at what God has said to Abraham in Genesis, he had said to Abraham that he was going to bless Abraham and through Abraham will all the nations of the earth be blessed. He said he will bless him. I'll read verse three, Genesis chapter 12, verse three. He says, and I will bless them that bless thee, and I will curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now, that was when he started to explain to Abraham the call that was upon his life. So the blessing that God was talking about was not just going to be on the Jews, the biological children of Abraham. That was what Apostle Paul explained in Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. He said when God was talking to Abraham about his seed, he didn't say, he was not talking about a singular seed. He was, or rather, he was not talking about a plural seed as of many children. He says, no, it was more than that. He was talking about a particular seed, singular seed. And he said, that seed is Christ. Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. He said, that seed is Christ. And we have understood from our previous uh, studies in, in, in chapter 3, verse 29, that if ye be Christ, if ye be part of Christ, you are Abraham's seed. Now, I'll go again to Ephesians chapter 3 which is going to be my main test for today. We were already at verse 6 and 7. Now, in verse 6, it was explaining that God's dream was not that the church should just be for the Jews. No, it was when, when God was raising up the church, which is the special generation that God was looking forward to, he intended that the church should be global, the non-Jews were going to be part of it, which is you and I. Now, I'll read verses again. It says that the Gentiles, those who were not Jews, 
originally. He said that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. We should come together and be part of this God's dream together. That was God's plan. That we should be fellow heirs and of the same body. We are going to be of the same body. Imagine a human body. You can't cut it into two and still have a body. It's got to be all intact. So this body, the Gentiles were to be part of it. Now, it didn't say of these bodies. No, it's a singular being. Christ is a singular being. This being has a head, and that is Jesus. The remaining part of the body, of the being, is the church, which includes you and I. We all together form this body. And he says, the same body, and partakers of his promise in Christ, there is a promise that has been promised in Christ. Take note, when he says in Christ, let me explain something at this point. When the Bible uses Christ, it refers not always to Jesus Christ. In some cases, very few cases, is referring to Jesus Christ. Very few cases. In most cases, it's not referring to the man Jesus. It's referring to Jesus, the man, along with the church all together. Most times that the Bible talk about Christ is talking about Jesus and the church together. Now, he says in this verse six, again, I'll read from the, part, from the beginning of verse six. He says that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise, of the promise of God Almighty. Partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Now, what was he talking about? I'm going to try to be brief. Uh, so I don't spend too much time on this particular part. I still got a lot that I intend to teach about tonight. Now, he's saying that God is using the gospel to bring in the Gentiles those who were not Jews before, to become part of this body of Christ. Because that's where they actually belong. The body is not complete without them. They are fellow heirs. They are heirs with the, those who were initially Jews by birth which include Jesus himself. So what he was talking about is with the gospel that God gave to me, he's bringing the Gentiles into this body. So you and I, brothers and sisters, you listening to me today, we are all together being brought into this body of Christ. I'll go to verse eight. He says, unto me, who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given 
that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Verse 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world had been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. Let me explain something to you. Okay, now there's a colon there. I'll go on to verse 10 you will understand better. In verse 10, it says, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God. According to the eternal purpose, which he proposed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Full stop. Now, let me take you again to verse 8, and I will explain from there. It says, unto me who am, made, who am less than the least of, this, of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. This is where I'm coming to, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, remember that I said most times when the word Christ is used in the Bible, of course, most of which is in the New Testament, most of these times when he says Christ, he's not talking about the man Jesus. He's usually referring to Jesus Christ and the church together. Now he's saying here that he was sent to teach the Gentiles, to preach among the Gentiles, the unsearchable, unfathomable riches of Christ, which means there is some amount of riches, some unimaginable, unfathomable things that has been given to Christ. And I told you Christ is Jesus and the church. There is some great amount of riches. That is why he was talking about us becoming fellow heads. We are inheriting something what is this thing that we are inheriting? Jesus made reference to it when he was talking to his disciples before his ascension. He said, listen, when the Holy Spirit of truth is come, he will teach you all things. He will show you of mine. He will show you, he will show you things from me. He says, I tell you that he's going to show you things that are of me because actually what he's going to show to you is from the Father who is in heaven. But I said they are of me because all things that the Father has are mine. Which means by inheritance, every single thing that God has belongs to Jesus. That was what Jesus was saying.
I'll read a verse of scripture to you in Romans, then I'll come back to Ephesians. I'll read it from verse from verse 14. Ephesians, Romans chapter 8 from verse 14. Now, Apostle Paul was explaining here. He says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye are not for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, in verse 14, he says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the technon of God. They are the, like the biological children of God. And here he says, in verse uh, 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 16, he said, the Spirit is self bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We know inside us that we are God's children. Now, take note in verse 17. He says, and if children, listen, it says, if we are God's children, then hairs, we are hairs, hairs. We are those who inherit God's property. That's what he's saying. He says, and if children, then hairs, hairs of God and joint hairs with Christ. Here, when he says Christ, he was talking to them about Jesus Christ. He says, we are joint heads with Christ. Semicolon. I will stop at that point. I will go back again to Ephesians. I want you to note what he said. He says, if we are God's children, if we have been born of God, if we have been brought into God to become part of his family, in verse 16, he says, if we he says, to be God's children. He says, the spirit is self bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We know inside us. The spirit lets us know inside us that we are God's children. He says, if we are God's children, then we are God's hair. We are joint hairs with Christ Jesus. We are joint hairs. Now, when he says joint hairs, joint hairs does not mean core hair. It doesn't mean we are sharing in the same inheritance that God is that Jesus is sharing. Jesus takes 80%, we take 20%. That would be co-heirs. That's not what it means. Yeah, he says we are joint heirs. Joint heirs means he owns everything 100%. We too own everything 100%. The same way everything that belongs to God belongs to Jesus, the same way everything that belongs to God belongs to us. That's what he's saying. We go back again to Ephesians chapter 3. In verse 9, it says, And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world had been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. 
Listen, I want you to understand something. God has a, had a dream for you and for me. Because the church had always been God's dream through the ages. He had a dream. He had a dream. And he hid this dream all through the ages. He didn't, he didn't tell nobody about it. He would only speak to the prophet to let them know that he has something he's planning. There is something he's going to do. In Isaiah, for example, he, he spoke to prophet Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 6. He says, behold, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Then he goes on to explain about his son. One of the things he said about his son is that the government shall be upon his shoulder. And I've explained in previous teachings that through the ages, the people, even the Jews, misunderstood what God was talking about. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Herod killed all children in that area two years and under so that he prevent Jesus from or the, the king of the Jews that has just been born from taking over the throne from him and his descendants. But when Pilate stood up Jesus and was asking Jesus, are you truly a king? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. Ah, so Jesus was saying his kingdom is not of the earthly throne of the earthly kingdom that Herod was killing everybody about. Which means Herod and the people of his world didn't understand what was said in Isaiah chapter nine. God was only giving insight into what he was going to do in the future and he was going to do it with the church. Because of what he intended to do with the church, that was why he brought Jesus, that through Jesus, he could back the church. And last week, when we were studying, we saw that in Isaiah, it was, talked, it was said about Jesus that he would be cut off from among the living and his generation would not have continued. But except by what Jesus said, when he was cut off, he brought forth much children, which is the church. And he said the church will declare, we, 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 through the church, he will see his dream fulfilled. He will see the purpose being accomplished. What God intended to do will be accomplished through the church. We saw that in Isaiah last week. So the church is God's dream. God was looking forward to the church to do with the church what his eternal dream is. And I've said in a previous teaching that when the Bible said in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says the government shall be upon his shoulder. That son that was given is Christ. And Jesus is the head of Christ. The body is the church. The shoulder is part of the body, which means the government is going to be upon the church. The government of what? Of the physical world? No, it's beyond the physical world. The Bible was talking about the government of God's universe is going to be upon the shoulder of Christ and the shoulder of Christ is the church. The church owns the shoulder. The shoulder is part of the body. So God's dream is that the government of his universe is going to rest upon the church. So there is something big that God has planned for the church, for you and I. We are not ordinary people just happening on the earth. We are here for a special purpose. God has a, a unique purpose for the church. 
which he is going to actualize. He will fulfill his plan. Nothing can thwart it. I will go on very quickly to show you something we read here a while ago. Listen in verse 9. He says, to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. You see, these things I'm talking to you about, it looks mysterious. Ah, how can how, <laughs> the government of the universe being upon the church? Is that possible? Listen, he says, to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. It's mystery. You can understand it with your human sense, but believe what God is saying. He says, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world have been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Look at verse 10. He says, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. God intends to use the church to teach the principalities and powers his manifold wisdom. There is something big about the church. Brothers and sisters, there is something about you that God is going to actualize. And how is he going to do it? It's by this kind of teachings that he's bringing to us in recent times.